And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Plus minus. Curry, way down to bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Play driving again. Oh, you're kidding me! Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to a new episode of Warriors Plus Minus. We've got the gang here. Well, we've got one full member, Tim Kawakami. We got another full member in Marcus Thompson. I don't know what percentage of Anthony Slater we got. Just because of my rough night in LA, is that the uh I mean you were in LA on a day game? A day gate, which means you had all night after. Yeah, I actually went to part of the Yo. Lakers Pistons. It was it was kind of a crazy. I've never covered the front side of a doubleheader, an NBA doubleheader, where you know you get done with post game, you go right. Usually, I mean, you guys know if you're writing in the arena for two hours, like the arena's emptying out. It's kind of almost like a spooky place. No, it was like livening up because the Lakers aura was coming in, and all the writers and Frank Vogel was doing his pregame press conference in the Staples Center press room, which was weird. So I'm sitting there writing like Frank Vogel's right behind me, like doing a a pregame press conference. Frank Vogel under heat. Uh, And then I finished up, and I was like, I'll go watch uh, some of this game. So I watched some Lakers, and then, yes, you know, you're right, Marcus, LA Live. I was done with my work by, you know, 7, 8 p.m. I had a decent night. Oh, that was right right in time on a Sunday night. Later. I have a great story from the uh, doubleheaders at Staples Center. Because, you know, the Warriors used to be frequent 1230 guests against the Clippers. TK, you remember them days? Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I didn't cover many of them. But, but yeah, yeah, I remember. Oh, this was not unfamiliar. This yeah, was this not, is like, very, this is know, very common. It's actually okay. surprising that they will put the Warriors at a 1230 game at this point. So 1230 game. Warriors Clippers, just like you said, the stadium starts livening up. Finish my story. Watch the first quarter and midway through the second quarter. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to my room and watch it from the game. Watch the rest of the Laker game from my hotel room. I had an early flight. The I next know day. which game this is. So I was is. like, I'm just going to go know home. which game this is. I get to my room, turn on the game, and Kobe's going for 81. <laughs> And I'm sitting here like, I really just left one of the great games in NBA history because of the dreaded 12-30 game had me whooped. Unbelievable. I just remember watching that from from home because it was NFL playoffs. Like, I was, I messaged Adonde, like, you better watch this game. And it was like, he was in the Seattle press box watching a Seahawks game or something. That, way to go. Nice call. MJ. I was, nice I was call. there for the first half, though. Yeah, <laughs> for for uh, thirty six points of, of of eighty one. You know, I saw I saw uh, most of them. I just I'll just I, say in this doubleheader, hey, I covered the Lakers when I was down there, so I almost never had the day part of it. I always no, like, was I, I was the day in. part. Yeah, That's... I was coming in and like yeah, people were walking out. And you're gonna go okay. This is not the main event. I'm coming in for the main event. I was the day part, Slater. I was twelve thirty. Well, the Let's funny go. part about Let's yesterday is 
twelve thirty was the better game. I mean, you know, it's the hottest team in the league with this like you know local fan base essentially, where like they took over Clippers Arena, and the Clippers are better than the Lakers right now. And the night game was, you know, there was still a lot of intrigue because Frank Vogel's job seems to be teetering a little bit as the Lakers are, but it was it was Lakers <laughs> maybe, Pistons, maybe. Uh, just yeah. a bit. I mean, it was a lot. It was one of the worst teams in the league against one of the uh, rougher stories of the league early on. Let's talk about the game a little bit. I mean, I thought the Clippers were okay. I knew their defensive rating was very good. So them looking not so good, Slater, what was that? Them having a bad day. Reggie Jackson was, I just looked at the box score and then I watched the game and it was like nothing. He was not there. And we've talked about him. He's probably the second best player on that team right now uh, with Kawhi out. What the hell happened to them? Or was it just the Warriors turning it up defensively? Because it's a bad matchup for the Clippers. Well, Reggie's had a couple bad games against the Warriors this season. They don't have a very good offense. They turn it over a ton. They turn it over 24 times. Steph had five first half steals, six total. Gary Payton had four. I think the Warriors had 19 steals. 19 steals. That's a crazy number. That that is insane. You never see that. You never see that. It um, It is ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, you, you watch the game, you go, yeah, the freaking Clippers were just driving in the lane with their head down and just flinging it somewhere, and the Warriors would just go, thank you very much, let's go back down the other side. But yeah, I'm not sure if that's just the Clippers just were just bad or the Warriors were just this this Both rated right defense. now, at least. But, you know, I actually do like the way the Clippers match up defensively, and, like, that was some of the talk pregame, and I kind of thought the Warriors might have a, a, a tougher time in the game and maybe even lose it, particularly with the afternoon. I was kind of getting ready to, to write, like, hey, these, this is the type of defense that could give the Warriors trouble where it's Ty Lue who has turned himself I think into like a top five top ten coach tactically knowing the Warriors and then a lot of versatile switchy defenders and you know they did defend the Warriors pretty well what was it like 44 42 at half 61 62 whatever in a second yeah and like really the Warriors won because of two spurts it was the Jordan Poole four threes at the end of the third quarter after Hartenstein flexes over him and then obviously you know the Steph ref situation which we can get into if you want but this is the type of team the Clippers are second rank defense like I don't know where they are offensively right now but it's not that good and they probably wanted to beat the Warriors like 100 to 94 or something like that they just they turned it over too much you can't turn it over 24 times but I think that's part of the problem like they're they're clearly a good defensive team their issue is it's not sustainable against the Warriors and that's kind of the Warriors MO is they eventually just wear you down and that's why we see their big third quarters Paul George has to guard Steph. And we've seen this when Paul George had to guard Clay Thompson, right? Like he's got to shut out Clay Thompson. It's a lot to ask and then go carry the offense because he's the offense. I mean, and a lot of their offense was him making some crazy tough shots. Like, I mean, he was hitting some tough shots. And it was like, that's pretty much what they had. Like that, that was it. I just think that's a lot. If Paul George isn't on Steph, you're just asking for Steph to go off. And if he is on Steph, then he's struggling on off. You got that's a lot. Yeah, they had Terrence Mann on him a, a lot in the second half. And, and you could think that's a guy who would be good on Steph. I think he could be. He long. has yeah. some effectiveness. Yeah. He doesn't have the experience to do it yet. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the body. You think he's seen someone who could do it. But sometimes when Steph's in that, it's just going to happen. Although I, I commented about this late last night after watching the DVR. I mean, I heard about this incredible Steph explosion. My God, this is the greatest player of all time. And I get it. He is having an incredible season, has had many incredible seasons. But it was three threes, right? It was three. Like, 
pull as Slater said, pull pull at four. It was the moment. It was the moment. It was the anger behind it. It was, it was the build up. Yeah, and they were mad about that t- that weird technical earlier on whoever Eric Eric the Eric Housing technical or whatever the hell that was. JTA. It was also uh against the team that I think people didn't think it was in Staples. It was against the Clippers, who they thought would be a tougher time. I do think it was a lot of factors into it. Big factor. They were mad at the refs. They thought the refs were having a terrible game. And I don't even necessarily mean like they thought they were getting jobbed. It was just like they thought the calls were inconsistent. It was a really physical game. Again, this is what the Clippers want to drag you into this physical game where they're doing a lot of bumping and stuff off ball. There was one offensive foul call on Steph, and I wrote about it that like really pissed him off and, and, and the bench was really going where like it was he passed it and Reggie Jackson kind of ran over ran into him and fell down and they thought it was a flop and they were mad like really that's the foul you call in this physical game and then a minute later he it's it's a situation where I I thought I thought he was getting ejected he ran at the referee Portratus yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Anitas Portratus yeah, that and didn't that, stop that is, either. By the way, yeah, like, no, that that is a ejection in in at least sixty percent of the time, uh, and it was Steph. Maybe that's why he doesn't get ejected there. But and maybe Steph knew that he's a, gets ejected there. They could lose. We talked about that with Draymond. You have to talk about that with Steph here. But it was also a flashpoint for the emotion. JT, we got a technical earlier. The one you were talking about, like took Steph away. If Steph kept going. Yeah, he was going. He kept going. He didn't stop. Yeah, he, yeah, he was. As Marcus pointed out, he didn't throw. At least he didn't throw the mouthpiece. That would have got him ejected. That would have got the him mouthpiece ejected. is. You know what's guaranteed. funny? I was talking to. Uh, I'll just have uh, chatted with some referee sources, whatever. Later, but they said they said he. Slater. Look at Slater with referee <laughs> sources. This is legendary um, right here. They go, said go. he really should have been tossed for giving the ref the technical. And apparently, they had talked to the referees and said they didn't see it in the moment. They had turned and didn't see the fact, and it wouldn't have mattered at that point because that was. The, that was after the three threes that I think put him up 18. So they would have won even if he got tossed. But they're like, that was an injection. I wonder if he can get fined for that. I think he might get fined for that. The next time he sees that ref, <laughs> he's probably getting ejected. <laughs> he's going to get a quick T. I don't think the Warriors are going to see any of those three guys in the playoffs. I'll put it that way. I, I don't think those guys, maybe Forte, I'm not sure, I mean, as one of the early rounds, but I don't think Gemini is portrayed as is going to be in the playoffs. Can, so can, probably can, not a big deal. Can we just acknowledge when Steph gets in that mode, he's super disrespectful to refs. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, he, he doesn't go there often. When he goes there, he's like, I'm getting my money's worth. And he keeps it going. Turned into he like keeps a little going petty war out there too, yeah. where uh, he, he then hit a three in the corner, but they waved it off because of an illegal screen, and they were convinced that the referee was ma- like mad at Steph for the, the whole situation, so they waved it off. And then Steph went over. I don't even know who was sitting courtside, but he went over to some fan and he was pointing at the ref. You could tell he was telling him like, "This guy right here," you know, blah blah blah. I'm like, he was like, like they legitimately wouldn't let it go for like ten minutes. I mean, I think that's firing up. I mean, you know, you understand that players are competitive. They rev themselves up in certain, you know, different ways. Maybe other things have been building up. It was a little uh, over the top. I don't think there's a question about it. And again, I'm not seeking for him to get fined. But that T gesture, I thought, was the most egregious thing. And, I mean, it's mocking a referee publicly. Mocking him minutes after. I couldn't believe he did that. Yeah, Yeah, I could not believe he did that. Yeah, it is just, uh, that is not what you're supposed to do. It's certainly not what a superstar is supposed to do. But hey, this is he gets revved up, he gets heated the moment. This is part of the reason. Yeah, why once he's, he's gone, like, he's gone. Like he's he's in that space. Yeah. Yeah. What are you gonna do about it? And again, you know, we have this Marcus, your connoisseur of Steph moments, the angriest he's been since that 
game six in, in Cleveland? Remember when Hay was taunting the ref, like pointing at him? Like, oh, was that the lip? No, that no, wasn't lip. No, no, you're t- what you're talking about, about is yeah. Minnesota. It was M- Minnesota, Merrick yes. Kogut. It oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Durant, yeah, yeah. I remember they were down four. I think they were, they were either down three or four. I think they were down three. And Durant goes up for a three at the top of the key, makes it, and they had called a foul. And it was like, and one. Wow. It's like tied the game in the free throw, put him over the top. This is like in the last like 30 seconds of the game. Weren't they down four and he hit the three and got the foul? Okay. And, and he, the and the free, free throw, throw was going to put him ahead. But then yeah. the ref went, no, like on the floor. And it was like, really on the floor? He was kind of gathering for the shot. And like they had a, they were really going back and forth with this ref. And then they inbound it. And Steph has the three to tie it, anyways, to send it to overtime. And then he ran down the court laughing and pointing at the ref. And him and Andre are like pointing at the ref, like taunting him. Like, yeah, I heard back on that one, by the way. Like, the, that's right. The league was not. No, happy and then they came one, out post game and were like, yeah. Merrick Kogan. They kept naming him, and it was like, yeah, that's right. They did he like in a podcast later? He like named him as one of his number one enemies or something like that. I think I remember that he mentioned that. It's like they, they were definitely Christ. talking about him post game. Yeah. It, was, <laughs> it was wild because I think then there was like some questionable calls in overtime, and they were convinced like. He was in his feelings about it, and like, I mean, you know, when the Warriors get in that mode, yes, oh yes. Oh, you know yes. what's odd about it all is that, like, Steph, the Warriors fans will complain endlessly about the refs and about how he's grabbed and about how like he's fouled off the ball, and he just like he won't do it ninety percent of the time. Like he he'll just eat it as part of it. Like if you talk to him, he'll be like, yeah, obviously they're fouling, but it's, it's, it doesn't seem like the big deal to him. Like it's like, he got stronger to kind of deal with it, but he obviously gets a lot of contact off the ball and he just kind of eats it. But then it's like the little things that like really kind of set him off. And it's like, I've seen, you've seen him get body checked before, like slammed out of bounds that he don't and no foul call and he just won't blow up. But then it'll be like the little thing. It's probably a, the accumulation of it, right? It, it, three or four games, and you feel like he's getting calls, and then he explodes. But it, it feels like there are, there are many other times that would set him off that never do. And then the one that sets him off is like... Well, and the funny thing is you look at the replay. Mount, Mount, Mount Vesuvius. Yeah, you look Vesuvius, at the replay, yeah. and it's like, yeah. I could see you not calling that. He kind of jumped in the uh, man. It's a, yeah, yeah. No yeah. question. And and he didn't even get a shot really. Like it was a weird little like he didn't even get the shot. And technically the ball was off him, so it's like the ref yeah. was doing the whole. Yeah, like just eh, we're gonna give you the ball, not give the foul. Well, yeah. but if yeah. you rewatch it, you know, with with the whole context of what happened afterwards, you could say he's he's almost going in like I'm going in to try to get a foul, and I almost don't want this ref to call a foul. So right when I bounce up, I'm going at him because it wasn't even like he he landed was like, oh, you really didn't call that. Let me think about this. Oh, I'm mad about this. He like. Landed him like, like immediately was up to run at him. What is going on? New fiery staff. Draymond like fiery staff was enjoying. Oh, you bet. Draymond is like Draymond's feeling like a proud pop over there. Draymond, who by the way, I'm curious to see the injury report today. Draymond Green's back was hurting post game. He got hit. Yeah, he hit hard. Yeah, and they had to call timeout. And then he put you know he played great the rest of the game, so you don't think about it. But then he comes in post game and he's like. Ooh, ee, ah. He was like kind of like walking in, like kind of the opposite what he was talking about. I was dancing down the stairs on a private jet. And then he sat down and was like, ooh, as he sat down. And then he was walking out, and Ritter was like, uh, you know, Mark Medina's got a couple questions for you, Draymond. And he was walking out. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, my back. As he was walking out, and I was like, oh, is he going to play in the Suns game? 
Yeah, I bet you know my prediction. He'll play in one of the two. He'll play in one. He's not gonna miss both those games. He's gonna play in one of the, the one, one at home. Games. They're just, I would say the first one. Like you win, you win in Phoenix. That's like the proof. Like, do you need to beat them again to prove that you're better than Phoenix, or do you just want to beat them in Phoenix? And that's okay. And you know what? Whatever happens on Friday, it happens on Friday. That's my prediction about this. But I might be wrong because because uh, Andre's not going to play Tuesday, so who knows? Amazing thing about this is we're talking about Clay and Wiseman not being here in their eighteen and two. They've been out without Iguodala for the, what the last four games. I can't. I trying to remember. Like those Six are games. Th- Six games. So those are three. Those are three rotation players. Now Wiseman, we don't know for sure, but Clay and Iguodala obviously are part of our fixtures as soon as they're healthy, and they're winning these games without them. Blowing teams out. I mean, it's just it's double digits every game. It's ten straight double digit home wins. You know, and they just obviously won by fifteen on the road. I mean, you think of all their recent tough road games. Brooklyn, it was a blowout. It's just it's why their net rating is like double anybody else. And their only two losses are in overtime and by four in Charlotte, which Marcus we were there, like that was could have gone either way. And they don't have Clay, and they don't have Wiseman, and they don't have Iguodala. It's just Well, what they have is like a wave of options to just throw at you. Like they can literally live in game switch it up. <laughs> like they can they, they barely even use Kaminga anymore, right? They still have that to throw out there. They're not playing Bielitsa that much. Like, you know, it's just like well, just kind of randomly throw. Yeah. But Otto Porter's 18 been 18 and 10 yesterday. 18 yeah. and 10. He's, a, he's their backup power forward, and I think he plays Stretch center five. sometimes. Stretch five. And, you know, GP2 hasn't lit it up recently, but he's an effective piece. Kerr kind of shortened up his rotation last night, I guess, because of turnovers. But he was cheese is getting over, minutes, like, baby. What's up with that? Yeah, I know. I mean, he GP2 loves cheese. Yeah. I mean, Chioza settles him down, I guess. But they, yeah, they just kind of throw these different things at people, and it's, it's impressive. I'll tell you what, you know, we can talk about them. We've talked about them before. Andrew Wiggins has been really good, like on you know two ways, defending guys, getting buckets. Like they need a bucket. Like I've said, like you can't just say Andrew get a, go get us a bucket. I think he's doing that in the last ten games. Just go get a bucket, and he goes to get a bucket. The part that like is I think unique about this is he's going inside for that bucket it's not a 22 foot step back he's like you know what i'm getting to the front of the rim and i'm bullying you that feels very new although the recent free throw struggles might change that a little bit i think because he was doing that when he was shooting 80 you know 80 percent free throws and that is not what he's doing recently but still i think they love to see it he should be encouraged to do that i got a six foot five guy I, i think i could beat down low get me the ball and they're loving it, and they're getting you know the that efficient twos. Those are very very important because the threes come and go. Even with Steph, the threes come and go. The efficient twos turn this team into a team that can blow out anybody in my, with with that defense, especially with that defense, because we know if it's close, <laughs> Steph could go boom boom boom, and it's not close anymore. And Jordan Poole, obviously, can, Jordan can, Poole, can. Jordan. Those were those were bigger than Steph's threes. The Jordan Poole threes, I think, were bigger because they changed the scope of the game at, at the point when it really was up for grabs. And he had not done anything, and he goes, boom, 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 boom. Okay, halftime, they're up, whatever. It was it was gigantic, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that was – it was funny. I was 
he had just missed a couple shots. He was two of ten. It was late third, and I was like about to put out May six of twenty four against the Clippers this year. Because the clip, remember the Clippers home game? That was like the start of his disastrous early yeah, season, one. where it was like, yep. oh yeah, yep. teams are adjusting to him and they're playing physical. How's he going to handle it? And then again, it was like you know you got Terrence Mann out there. Bledsoe blocked his shot, just wiped his shot away one time. Right as I was thinking about that, you know he gets Hartenstein swatted his shot at the rim, and then. Does the flex over him gives him the free throw? Big so mistake. Has, big mistake. There's, there's, Isaiah Hardstein. Uh, yeah, they say it was a big mistake. Um, it was, but he's you know he goes from four to five points with the free throw. But there's still two seventeen left in the third, and by the end of the third, he goes from five to seventeen points. I mean, you win the game right there, really. That's what Clay's done, right? That I really thought like that's what Clay has done, and it just boom, boom, boom. The, you know, it goes from a one point game to a ten point game, and Jordan Poole isn't always going to do that, they, and they ha- will have Clay to do that at some point soon. But that's how that works. It's just the lethalness of that threat, and, and it doesn't have to be Clay. Like I mean, sorry, it doesn't have to be Steph. And we've seen Poole come and go, but he'll take those shots. Like we always say that he'll take those shots, and that is when you can do it on that game. Which means you got to guard them too. You have you have to guard those shots. You just can't. You can't chill on pool and all of that stuff. First, you got to guard Steph, obviously, with multiple defenders. And then if you got to guard pool, this is why Otto Porter's getting so many open shots. Yeah, right? God, like yeah. this, oh, yeah. this is a big reason why, because you have a second guy that you have to guard. Or actually, third, you got Wiggins. You, you have to guard Wiggins. They end up getting so many open shots that it just wears a defense. And now down. this idea that like Draymond is just this this passing machine out there that is never looking to shoot is gone too right i mean he's he attacked the rim a few times yesterday he tried a tomahawk dunk he did a up and under reverse while they were doing some split action and you can tell the clippers are sitting there draymond has the ball in the mid post and you know Ty Lue knows all these sets there you can tell the clippers are all looking all right the split action you know which way is he going which way is loony screening and as they're doing that draymond just pivots and goes and makes a layup and they're like Oh yeah, he can do that. I forgot. I forgot that this passing machine over here can go score sometimes. Too. Right, and you know what he's not doing, Slater? He's not giving up after he misses a shot. Right, like normally he'll he'll miss that one or two, and then he'll just stop. But now, like he's airballed floaters, like no, <laughs> he's he missed mid range jumpers, and he's you know, like, yeah. I'm still he's not taking making it. threes. I mean, this I like he's had an offensive resurgence, but it's not like it's because like he's rediscovered his shot. I'm about to go look right now, but. He's made like five threes all year or something like that. He's not, he's not taking them. He's not taking them that much. But it's 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 the get down the lane, you know, split the middle of the paint and finish. That that's what it is because being available when the pass is coming, he's taking that up now. He's not remember how he would get the pass in the lane and then look to pass it out. Yeah, now he's going up with it. Yeah, that's LeBron. Like if if Draymond has the ball in the lane, I'm playing the passing lanes, and I think that's still. Largely true, but occasionally it's not true. And Draymond's trying to finish, and he's actually finishing. And that is, you know, who's finished the last couple games? By the way, go ahead, say it. Go ahead, say it. Come on, Looney. He's coming around on Looney's later. He gets a little bump, and usually that's a miss. And it's going in. Like I, I'm I don't know if this that. has I'm anything to that. do with it, but now I see every pregame and even sometimes after practice, Dehan Milojevic, he has Looney go down in the mid post and they start his workout with it's like one dribble, bumps into Dehan, hook shot, bump. And like, you know, Dehan's probably six I think he's like six six, he's big, burly Serbian dude. 
He is yeah. not little. And he's yeah. just sitting there. He's bumping, chest bumping Looney. And it, like, I don't know if that's helping, but I agree. Looney is sometimes finishing a little bit better through contact. I was like way better than he has been in the past. Like before, it was probably a 22% shot, and now it's like a 60% shot. You know, and they're not easy shots. Like this is the NBA. Guys are contesting, they're getting bumped. This is what this is what separates the good finishers from the bad finishers. And Kavan is like those are big points. Those are huge points because they're available because he's not being guarded. And then someone comes and helps and bumps him. And if you can get four of those a game and he's getting them. You know, f- go four of seven on the on the, those close in shots. Those are driving. we've seen what pools drives do for them, right? I mean, he can finish. He can absolutely finish in traffic. That just opens up so many other things because they're available. Defenses have to react to it, and then if they do react to it, then you can kick it back out. And there's Steph standing there with his feet set at three point line. These are all things that are working for him. But yes, I noticed that, and I'm going to give Looney credit because I'm tough on him. He's finishing some of those, and he's looking like he's okay with contact, and even you know okay with getting the free throw line. He's not a good free throw shooter, but you kind of you guys gotta want to shoot him. You can't shy away from him. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Slater, we have to discuss another guy that TK has been hard on, (laughs) but he's been incredible. Wants a scholar. I've been hard on him lately at all. Yeah, Last year I said that. Last year. In the past. In the past. Yes, yes. I give him full credit. What does your uh, hat say, Marcus? I think that might have something to do with it. Eastside Oakland, baby. Let's go. We've been saying the Draymond stuff for a while, but it feels like he owns that role now. Like there's a couple times where he waved off Steph and brought the ball up, <laughs> and he's like, he's really doing the uh, the fake handoff. He loves he's like the taking fake that handoff. over almost too much. He lo- Sometimes he, he goes for you, like, dude, it's not there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you already know what he's doing, right? <laughs> but the playmaking, he's really kind of getting into his bag with that, feeling comfortable with the ball in his hands, and, and we know on a team. With all these turnovers, those guys are valuable. Like that's why Andre Iguodala is so important because you can put the ball in his hands, and you and Steve Kerr cannot have a conniption, right? He can feel better, and it feels like Juan is is becoming that. Without the, you know, Draymond will turn that thing over, even though he's a secure handler. He's super risky. It feels like Juan is getting really comfortable in that position of playmaker with Steph on the court. 
there's a line to bounce though because he can get turnover prone too. If you guys remember the Memphis play-in game, Juan was throwing the ball all over the gym. And that was when he was really important. They had the eight-man rotation. And he was, at that point, probably like their fifth most important player. But he had some really bad turnovers. So, you know, trying to fit in, you know, tight window or... Yeah, well, that's... Well, Mem- Memphis is just tough on them, like, for that stuff, right? Because they know what they're trying to do. And they're playing all the passing lanes, right? They're just... Dr- they're playing the driving lanes and the passing lanes. Go ahead and shoot it to, to those guys that we're mentioning. And that's what we'll see. And we'll see how Phoenix plays it. I think Phoenix is going to play it like that. Uh, but for the bulk of these games, this JTA stuff is incredible for them. It's just incredible for them. It's the defense too. Like you, you they're putting JTA. They're putting what well, Draymond guarded Lillard last game for a large part of it. Like just the ability to have those kind of players is how this runs. And with with the Steph obviously going thermonuclear whenever he does, and JTA is right in there. And obviously they want Kaminga to be the same kind of player. And they've got you know. Other guys who can do other things, but JTA, Iguodala, Draymond, like that's GP2. You talk about the Dynasty's headliners, we all know who they are, but a huge part has been this middle tier of players, always led by Iguodala, who, you know, he's clearly more talented than maybe some of the others, but like that group, you just throw them anywhere. Livingston, you throw them into a spot and they don't lose their minds offensively and they're kind of shut down guys defensively. And that they've built that up. That's like, we're all talking about how they're giving up defense. You know, it's kind of an old story now, but all of our preseason stuff was they're giving up, they're giving up uh, defense to go for more offense. and They've just turned into the greatest defense of all time right now. I think to their surprise, I absolutely think it's to their surprise. Certainly, like from what we were talking from Draymond right before the season, he's like, I don't know, I don't know about this. But these guys, JTA, GP2, all the initials, got, Looney, I'll put him in the yeah, staff's playing tremendous defense. And Draymond is playing defensive player of the year level. Yeah, this is just a tremendous defensive. I think, particularly for the new NBA, where you're not getting pounded down low. Now we'll see if Aiton does it, but Phoenix doesn't really throw it to him 15 times a game. They don't do that. They they use they him might as a try though. <laughs> yeah, they use him as a pressure release. I mean, he's like, okay, it's not working over here. Get it back. Switch the floor, and then it gets back to Aiton, and he's got a you know somebody smaller on him. So we'll Aiton see. on the glass is where I would be most concerned. They're not gonna they're not gonna post him up. Now they'll do you know it'll be a little bit like Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Houston with with Chris Paul and Javale and Chris Paul and Aiton. It'll be like cat and mouse Draymond stuff. We can get into that matchup with JTA though he was out of the rotation for like a handful of games and like not that pleased about it to be honest and then the Cleveland game came and he was still not in the rotation and they went down big at half and like Cleveland was out playing there's no energy no life in the building Uh, and then apparently at halftime Steve Kerr was like you know Juan you've been out like in front of the team like Juan you've been out of the rotation and you should be pissed about it, and I know you're pissed about it, but you're playing in the second half. And that's when he put one in it for Kaminga because Kaminga had had a really bad first half, like chucking a couple threes, pretty lifeless. And then, you know, Juan changed that game, and he used him again when they were down double digits a game a few later. And, like, that does seem to be his role. Like, in this regular season, you know, monotonous marathon, like he does inject life in certain matchups. He's, he's good in those dogfight games. And... I do think Kaminga will inch ahead of him at times. There, I, I think there are plenty of people within the organization that would like to see a little bit more Kaminga <laughs> at times. 
<laughs> at what point? At what point did they start like <laughs> getting like, hold on, hey Steve, <laughs> come on, man. You know that Santa Cruz Warriors team is looking really good right now. Uh, maybe we can move a couple of those guys to the big team. Right now, JTA is kind of filling for Iguodala. Like that's what he's like. He's playing some of those minutes and yeah, yeah, go get, absolutely. Go get the good forward. Go guard him. And, and go run the show, like hold, run yeah, the point. Yeah, and yeah. move the ball around, be somebody's safety valve, somebody's back screening, you know, those sort of things. Uh, they work. That works. And this NBA, for sure, it works. As, he's a he's a great power forward in the modern NBA. And they Yeah, and I mean, it is crazy because you think about all the guys not available that will be available soon. Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson's very, you know, getting close. Uh, Damian Lee will be back soon. And I mean, it, a month ago, Damian Lee was their best bench player. James, yeah. w- James Wiseman. Kaminga, who's going to continue to try to push in. Moses Moody was the 14th overall pick. When's the last time we discussed him? <laughs> and looked the best yeah. in the Santa Cruz game, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I would say that's a pretty good lineup there, right? If you just played that group, I mean, that would not be a terrible team. Wiseman, Iguodala, Clay, Kaminga, Moody, Damian Lee. That's six guys. Like I do think that's part of like how they're kind of overwhelming team. They could really, if, oh, if this isn't working, we're going another route. Like, and... Like Damian Lee hasn't played well for like he's not making shots. Bielitsa isn't shooting. Otto Porter is hitting shots, right? Like, <laughs> like other guys are hitting shots. And then eventually these guys will stop hitting shots. And then Damian Lee will start hitting shots again. Bielitsa will start. Like they just have these waves, which, you know, in a regular season setting, man, that that is almost ideal to overwhelm teams. Like, how demoralizing is it when these dudes like Otto Porter is killing you? Like, that's gotta be heartbreaking with <laughs> well he's bending down doing that three thing like like <laughs> oh but they hate to see that like because he stays open yeah and i it's they can give iguodala more time off i can think and it, it, it works perfectly for that too right they can and if clay needs more time off fine you know fact you know what let's just add two games clay or whatever you know you need you need a, a week off and once he's come back that's fine like they can play that out throughout and you know, I never thought 18 and two, but like, it's just a fat, like I thought like Slater did. 13, Slater and, 13, 13 and seven, whatever was going to be like, th- that's fine. And it just gives them some breathing room, get to that four seed and maybe you lose a little bit, get to the six. And then by the time you get to March, you're, you're going to make the run for the three, four seed. Now they're one, they're one, <laughs> like they're going to be one or two. Is what you know it's what else? Like. The West stinks. I mean, we're about to see them against the Suns the next two games so that won't be top of mind but the conference below those two i mean i would say below the three we include utah who has actually a better the jazz is 13 to 7 the war tk is saying the warriors would have been good to be the jazz right now like yeah. <laughs> yes yes they would have yes, been great the jazz actually have a better point differential than phoenix and uh, have the top offense you know i mean i i think their their record um belies how dangerous they are particularly as a regular season team but you you get below that top layer Mavericks right now are the four seed at ten and eight. They have a negative point differential. Like n- nothing about them in the Jason Kidd situation, and like it just doesn't scream threat to me at this point. You saw the Clippers yesterday. They're the five seed. They're probably the best of this group below the Lakers situation. Uh, doesn't seem like the roster um, it will solve that team's problems. We'll see. Portland, we saw them. They have the 28th ranked defense in basketball. The team that caused the Warriors the most problems is like Memphis. Memphis is like, what the heck happened to Memphis? Memphis has the 30th ranked My defense. Goodness. They have the worst defense in the NBA. My good, they don't they didn't look like that against the Warriors. Boy. It That's- is crazy. I mean, and you just think about their personnel, like Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, you know, who was hurt for some of this season. 
Kyle Anderson, uh, Jaron Jackson should be, you would theoretically think. Anyway, um, and John Moran just hurt his knee recently. I don't, I don't know the exact recent update. It doesn't it was just a sprain, so it's not like he's out for the season. But you know, weeks, you keep going down. Denver is now weeks. sitting in the ten seed. Just lost Michael Porter for the season with the unknown Jamal Murray situation. Like it's a soft conference right now. They're one, two, or three, and it's amazing. But you know, they played a quarter of the season. Like they're at the quarter pole basically. They're not showing no signs of slipping to four, I'll put it that way. They've even had John Hollinger have to write about how good they are. That's how good they are. So uh this is this is headed to one. Shout out to John Hollinger. Hey man, hey, we don't hey, we don't hey. we don't get them all right. It's all good. It's all good. I read him and he is smart as hell. He has admitted that he might have misread the Warrior situation, which is what you do when you're a responsible analyst. Absolutely. You know, I don't. I don't want to say that that we were so right. We didn't see this. We didn't see this. Like they didn't uh, see this. The five. Warriors yeah. didn't. No, see this. we saw fifty. We saw fifteen and five, and go like, what if they can get some of that? And yeah, like I said, thirteen and seven, fourteen and six. Maybe it felt like we were being homers by saying they could get a four seed, right? <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> four or five. Like, what? Yeah, well. I can see him getting the home playoff series. <laughs> like, but really going out the, there on a limb. Like, if you see the West falling apart, you know, we didn't all see the West falling apart like this. Although, you, could, you know, you could, we knew the. I didn't think. I didn't think, I didn't think the West either. was that good. I didn't think it was this bad. Like, I thought the Lakers were going to be better. I, I mean, LeBron and Anthony Davis just like. So what if they messed around with the back end of that, of that roster? And and they did, but. Just those two guys. I mean, Jesus, and and they they can't put it together. And they still might. They clearly still might. This is just a really good team. This is just a a, peer, a really good team, and this is what really good teams do. You just do it over the course. Of, well, didn't Ethan have a number like eight the twenty game stretch? Is that that's what you basically you don't switch things up too much after twenty games? I don't know. If that's that's still come about, but then he used to say that. And they're eighteen and two. <laughs> and even if they lose to the Phoenix. So, you know, that's not great, but okay, you lost two to the, probably the best team in the West, maybe the best team in, in the league. And as I said to Slater, on it got, did you see that it got aggregated, Slater, when I talked about the Suns' uh, two games? If they sweep those two games, the Warriors sweep those two games, they're going to be the number one seed. I believe this. Did and, you and get, see, did you, you get put you, you on just, like takes? I get aggregated. I got, I no, just saying that I'm claiming that the Warriors are going to be the best team if they, if they sweep the Suns. Uh, MT, you agree with that? I think they're clear number ones. They're clear number yeah, one. Yeah, they sweep yeah, the Suns yeah. this week. Like, That's what I said. I didn't say the champion. I didn't say championship. I didn't say week on a championship like Barbosa. I just said if they sweep the Suns, they're going to be the number one seed. I will say this, and we should probably talk about the Suns matchup that's coming uh, on Tuesday. But on paper, Phoenix Suns is the toughest matchup that they got in the West. A healthy clicking Lakers, I would put there, but the way they look, I feel like they're out of the mix. I would watch them uh, last night in person. It's just not a good roster. Like, you know, Kent Bazemore was starting for them in the beginning of the season. Yeah, he's he's now getting People DMPs, are... by the way. Um, <laughs> they they weren't playing. Like, they're relying heavily on Malik Monk. Yeah. Like, he... he Wayne Ellington was getting big minutes That doesn't yesterday. scare the Warriors uh, at all. DeAndre Jordan is, like, starting half of their games, and he was cut by the Nets recently. And, you know, it's just put so much of a burden on Davis and LeBron physically, and neither of them look physically like ready for it to be i mean like lebron keeps dealing with these minor injuries and then you know that's not even to mention the westbrook conundrum whatever you want to call it like maybe i'm wrong maybe lebron again uh will will just prove as a one-man force to drag a team into contention but i just don't see it getting solved and he's got and he's got anthony davis so you always have to put them to the side but the rest of it 
I mean, you know, it, and at some point LeBron won't be able to be that be that guy anymore. At some point, we don't know when it's going to be. It might be the season, it might not. You but could at feel some it in point, the arena last night. He like made it an and one layup, and then kind of grabbed his abdomen a little bit. And the arena was like, <gasps> because he had dealt with the, an abdomen recently, and he was just like, it wasn't like he was on the ground writhing. He was just kind of like, ah, eh, you know, kind of stretching it out a little bit. But it was just like, oh, oh. and like even the people on press row were like, oh, is that is he grabbing at the injury? Because if he is, like that's a that's another one in six week coming up if he can't play. Let's talk about the Suns, though. Like, MT, you were starting down that road. I mean, do you think the Suns are a bad matchup for the Warriors or a good matchup? Every question with playing the Warriors begins with how do you guard Steph Curry? Like, what are you going to do? And I think that's got to be bridges, right? I think Phoenix has some good options. They've got bridges. Chris Paul has been the victim of some Curry's great moments, but he's still a tough. He's still a tough defender in short spurts against Steph. He just has a way to be physical and not get the foul call. Right. Yeah. yeah. Low center of gravity. You could spend some time with Jay Crowder on him. Like that's, that's some physical, that's a body on Steph. I do think they have good answers to the very first question you got to (laughs) ask with the Warriors is how do you guard? This is, I think, the Lakers problem. Like they don't have an answer. Like the answer is LeBron. It's sure Portland. It's always yeah. We go yeah. We go through these teams. (laughs) It's always. I think they've got a good set of options for what to do with Steph. I'm curious about Bridges though, because like Bridges is a long, slower wing. He just gets to a lot of shots though, man. He gets to a lot of shots. Steph has has had some issues with with length, like real strong length. Now again, he's going to run through all those screens. It'll be determined if if they can switch out on him, but I, I think Bridges is a good option for Steph. I really do. Pool matters then. Yes, because Paul CP3 is going to be on pool. Yeah, but, I mean, because Wiggins is still there. I guess you put Booker on Wiggins. I mean, like to me, Bridges actually makes sense as a Wiggins matchup. But then, but again, if you're not you're not trying to cut off Wiggins to slow the Warriors, so maybe you do. You know, I don't know. They'll change it up. A lot of it's team defense. But right? if it's not Bridges, who would you put on Curry? CP, I guess. I would go Bridges. It's possible because you can still rely on Booker to carry the offense, right? Like in days where CP3 is like running the show on offense, you just probably don't want him chasing around Steph. You don't want it all the time anyway, right? You, you, you don't want that except for in, in some moments. But they got some other guys they could throw out there, you know. Crowder would not be terrible to anticipate the switch, right? Because you're going to get the switch. Like those are the two power fours going against you. Yeah, but you, what you could do is you could put Bridges – or somebody else on Draymond anticipate the switch, so then you'd have then that would switch bridges onto Steph. You know you, that's what the Warriors do with some of this, right? They put the, they put Draymond on the guy that he's going to get switched, so they switch, so they, they have it pre-switched already. But we'll see. I mean, and, you know, so who's going to guard Booker for the Warriors? Is, is Wiggins, I would Wiggins, guess Wiggins. For sure. Steph guarding. You know, is he bridges? No, I would say bridges I would say or, Steph on CP you know, and, and, and pool on, on bridges. I guess. You know, I'm writing a little bit about this match. I'm going to do like a quick little preview today because it is such a big, you know, back-to-back with them. Team defense matters, right? It's not just like Bridges going, you know, go one-on-one with Curry. Like, they're going to target Aiton, right? And JaVale, who's, who's been really good and playing big minutes for them. And it's like Aiton survived against the Clippers small ball last year and like super impressively. And I just, as we talk about this as a potential West Finals, like, Aiton against the Draymond at the five lineups are just vital to this matchup. He has to, like, dominate. He has to rebound well. He has to get his alley-oops, and he has to not... Remember Nurkic and Marcus Wilson next to each other during the Portland yes. game, and it was just like, oh, let's rewatch this play. Oh, Nurkic laid way too far back on this split cut. Didn't read that. Uh, jumped too far out because he thought he was blitzing, but just, like, left a clear lane behind him. How does Aiton... Def- you know, Aiton 
and we we've talked about this within the Wiseman realm. Now that this is a potential big time playoff matchup, maybe a West Finals, it's like how does Aiton survive defensively? He was horrible as a rookie defensively. He's gotten much better, had a breakout playoffs, and I just I think the Warriors are really, particularly in this first couple matchups here, just gonna test those waters. Like how does Aiton deal with some of this Steph stuff that he's not used to? Because yes, he yeah, survived against off, the Clippers, yeah. but this is a different environment to defend in as a big. You know, the Draymond Green, small ball five, Steph Curry ecosystem. Kavon Looney at the rim ecosystem. Okay, there you, so you go. Gotta, you gotta beware of that. Beware of that. And he did play well against the Warriors last year, but that was before the 15 and 5, right? I don't think they played him. They the did at down right? the stretch. I was actually talking to Steph a little bit about that game. I need to go relook at it. He was like, yeah, crazy game. They they beat Phoenix, and, and Poole had like 20 off the bench. I, I, oh, really? God, I don't even remember that. They beat Phoenix remember. and Utah but, back-to-back during that. Remember that six-game homestand mm-hmm. to end the season? I remember they played a lot of good teams. I should remember. I thought it was Denver in there. But Aiden's a good player. And he could, he could mess around. I mean, it would show that hey, there's where Wiseman would go, right? You, that, that's the, that's the matchup you would want Wiseman for, or not? We'll we'll see. But I think this is not a terrible matchup for the Warriors. I really I don't think this is a terrible. I think Memphis is like just weirdly so much tougher for them, and we'll see. But Chris Paul's not going to dominate the game for 38 minutes. That's just not him anymore. And so that's a player that's going to they only have to play in spurts. Bridges is a fantastic defensive player, a great runner, you know, fill the lane, going to hit some threes, but he's not a guy you have to see like, oh my God, here's our defense set up for this guy. And so then it's Booker and it's Aiton, and I think they have a, they have options for that. So we'll see. I could be proven wrong. I'm, I don't think they're going to win both these games, but I think they're going to be competitive in both, and they're going to win one, and they're going to show that they're probably a little bit better than the Suns. Again, that's what's the beauty of it. We're going to see it play out. I, I don't think this is... I just maybe I've seen them beat Chris Ball too many times in big games, and that's like when they're talking about oh Steph's that's had not so nothing, much trouble though. in Staples. Yeah, that's not it nothing. is. Oh, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. But like oh Steph's had all this trouble in Staples. Has all this. It's a nightmare place. Go, Didn't he like put Chris Paul on the ground at Staples Center? <laughs> he did. That that was one of the momentous plays of the early Steph career was putting Chris Paul on the ground with a, with a, with a dribble, and like he gets up for that matchup. He's younger. He's sprier still. And they beat Chris Ball in big games. I just, it just, it's just something that's drilled in my head, and I think they still will. I don't, not, I'm not predicting a sweep. I'm predicting that they'll just look like a, a, the better team in these two games. Clay really matters in this matchup. I mean, as we talk about defensive, you know, like cross matches, they'll be the number one seed if they sweep because they're gonna if they sweep them without Clay. Good lord, like I mean, good lord. Clay matters so much because because you know we're talking about Steph probably having to guard CP because you're going to go Wiggins on Booker and then Poole's kind of guarding Bridges and and you know Mikel Bridges you know when he's really left to his own can provide 19 suddenly you know and yeah. oh, no. No and question. so suddenly no if question. if you do have Clay in this mix you, you know you could just put Clay on on somebody that that theoretically if Clay is Clay and we'll see. I don't know, it's all interesting. I do want to see GP2 guarding CP3 a little bit. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Like, just oh, an irritant right. on an right. irritant, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, is gonna be fun. <laughs> I, 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 the thing about the Suns is I wonder what happens if Aiden can't keep up. They don't really have a good small lineup. The, you know, they, Crowder, right? They go Crowder at the five? Yeah, they, they could. Do, I, I mean, they could. You, they, they, you, they don't. I don't know if you want to. They don't. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they have don't. It in, yeah. Well, they got and they don't Cam, have Cam they Johnson. don't have Sarge anymore, so I think yeah. that's a Cam Johnson. Big Cam Johnson blow. is 
But if they, they have some other, who's guys. their five if they go small? If they pull eight, they normally go to playing a Draymond five the lineup. You could certainly have Jay Crowder as your five. They're basically you know the similar type of players. It's fine. You can go Cam Johnson in and, and and play small. I just don't think that's an advantage for them. No, it's not. <laughs> and I and I I don't think they should. You know, they we were saying this during the playoffs last year, like that maybe they should. Like, what's going to happen against the Clippers? Do they take DeAndre Ayton off the floor? No, they just said this is who we are, and and, and it worked. So mm-hmm. I think they need to yeah. find out this week. You know, as much as the Warriors need to pick and see what they can figure out against Aiton, I think that the the Suns need to find out, you know, how much Aiton can survive in that. And having, you know, it's good to get burned a couple times by the Steph Curry stuff to learn what you got to do against it. Absolutely. And it's twice in a week. This is going to be good for Phoenix. It's going to be good for them to figure out moving forward. I mean, I think he's playing like 30 minutes a night. Those other (laughs) 18 minutes matter, man. Like that's, that's huge. You know, that's been the biggest part of this stretch for them. JaVale McGee's been JaVale, awesome. JaVale. I mean, he's better than what they had, you know, better than going from Frank. He's better than Frank, Frank Kaminsky, Kaminsky, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's like that's the that's just not the way you're going to beat the Warriors. And, you know, we all – you feel good about JaVale on Steph in the, in the perimeter? <laughs> no. And I don't think Phoenix would feel good about it, but what are you going to do? Like, you, you have to live with it a little bit. You have to try to bug him that way. And, you know, and believe that Kavon or Draymond isn't going to kill you if you if you basically if you if you blitz staff. So and that's what teams do. And then we've seen the Warriors counter it. We've seen the Warriors struggle with that. We'll we'll see. But that's the other thing. With Again, maybe it's my big picture thing is if the Warriors split with the Suns then Suns adjust to them, whatever. This is what we're going to do. We're fitting, figuring it out. Aiden's going to do this. And then the Warriors go, okay, one has way, a Hall of play. Famer coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got Clay Thompson coming, by the way. Like, that's you know, big we, deal. that's all great and everything, but we got Clay Thompson coming back. That's just this, this looming thing. Like, we talk about 18 and 2. What does it mean? They're better than we thought. And they got Clay freaking Thompson. It means coming. if they lose both of these games, they're 18 and 4. <laughs> <laughs> we have Clay Thompson coming. Yeah, we have Clay like Thompson coming. They're 18 and 4, which is like that's crazy, right? That, <laughs> it's just wow. They could lose. I mean, if if you if they walk away, even if they walk away with Phoenix being the clear number one, right? And the Warriors number two, that's by far and away more than anybody thought this season. But it still doesn't change the fact that Phoenix would not want to see the Warriors in the playoffs, like because these are three dudes with rings, and that's that's a bit different. I don't think the Warriors can lose. Like even if they lose, they don't want to be embarrassed. Like you just don't you don't want to get blown out in in, in any sense. Just not because you don't want to have that team feel good. Draymond mentioned it in post game yesterday. They they want to snap the win streak, right? That's be, if if the Suns get through the Warriors and the they want to be the Milwaukee Bucks to yeah. them. And- <laughs> if the Suns get through <laughs> this, 20, like Warriors is the story of the league right now. And like honestly, there's not been enough attention paid to what the Suns are doing. Like 16 is huge win streak. Now, if the Suns beat the Warriors up twice this week, the story of the league shifts to Phoenix. I mean, they'd actually be. Oh, a- that turns up. That turns it yeah. up for real. Yeah. So I I think the Warriors want to end that. Like. You know, keep the spotlight over here, basically. But I have to go to Warriors practice. They're practicing in L.A. So. Oh, my. Slater. Slater's got to go. Let's wrap it up. That's where I don't have to go. Warriors practice. Warriors practice. <laughs> Here's what I got to do. I got to listen to the Kyle Shanahan uh, conference call later today. Might ask a few questions, too, but that's what I do. The next time you hear from us, we will know who's the number one team in the West. Tim Kalkami is already saying it will be the Warriors. So we've got that prediction on the books. It has been aggregated on social media. Uh, me and Slater will give more, far more calculated and Restrained, mature takes yeah, af- afterwards. We, we want to see it play out first. We'll let TK get like out it. ahead of the story. 
I love to be aggregated. That's what I'm missing. My <laughs> dream of aggregation. Until next time, we're out of here.